a beautiful thing to see. Melbourne finally waking up and rising in solidarity with each other, regardless of your political leanings, regardless of your um, religious leanings. It's just a beautiful thing to be here with all these happy, wonderful and free people. And yeah, we're not gonna take it anymore. So guys, authorities have indicted and arrested Igor Danchenko. He was, as it turns out, one of the main sources for the now infamous Steele dossier. Many implications here for Russiagate. More importantly, um, this is also an indictment of the media writ large. Welcome to the New Flesh Podcast, the podcast you deserve. My name is Jonathan Astro. With me is Ricky Orpike. Ricky, what's going on? Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> Let's go, Brandon. Okay, <laughs> Can't yes. believe we haven't said that on the podcast yet. Yes, I don't know. Like it's um, I I, I applaud the message, uh, you know, and I like it, but it just hasn't. I don't know. No, you know what it is. It's it's because we're in Australia, and you know, it's it's a little bit out of context. And if if you said it, you know, you say it out loud here, and it sounds strange because people are like, "What?" And you've got to explain <laughs> yeah. everything, everything. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then it sucks. Once you <laughs> once you have to explain it all, it's yeah, it's shitty. Which I had to do. To, which I had to do to my wife, like a great. Yeah, length. you go. Oh, so the so anyway, the Democrats, and they're like, wait, the what? And you go, oh. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, which one is that? Are they the Trump ones or? And you just go, oh, forget it. All right. <laughs> yep, I've lost you. Anyway, I saw James Bond. Yes, how was it? Well, it was an interesting experience. It's called No Time to Die. Um, it was good to be back at the movies. Now, uh, the listeners of this show might might recall that, um, for better or worse, I was a little concerned, as some people were, that this was going to just be some sort of extended lecture uh, at the audience about, you know, toxic masculinity and whatever else uh, mm-hmm. these people want to lecture you on. Uh, but, you know, uh, after seeing the film, uh, I'm, I mean, it wasn't that it was okay as a film and it took some risks here and there, uh, which I didn't mind. But... Overall, it wasn't that good uh, and uh, and not successful in their missions. So it, it, what what ended up happening was, uh, and well, I think there'll be some kind of course correction next. I think we'll go back to basics and I think we'll, we'll return some of the things because some of the notable absences, I've already complained about this to some people. So title sequence used to be, you know, sexy women, guns, all that stuff. Remember that stuff? I do, yeah. Yeah, well, it's always a big, big part of the movie. There was like no chicks in that. There's like a shot of a navel at one point, and I'm like, oh my god! Like they're so they're so hot under the collar. It's just guns and and underwater shit and whatever. Uh, they've banned the use of the term Bond girl on set. Apparently, um, right? There was a lot of interviews between the produ- the producer, which is Daniel Craig, and the Broccoli's, that's the other producers, and the director, all at separate times, saying pretty, you know dumb stuff about you know ranging from sean connery was a rapist in thunderball to you know um uh how they've got to bring bond into the 21st century so much talk you Mm. know and they brought on phoebe waller bridge of fleabag to kind of gussy up the script and you know i don't know make it make it more modern or whatever but ultimately this is just a woke capitalist exercise so you know you always follow the money, okay? So this this is where they've gone wrong. This is why it won't be successful. Is because, you know, this movie's made to sell Omega watches, Heineken, and Land Rovers, right? Yeah. Now, um, I'm going to take a stab in the dark and suggest. I know it might be outrageous, but the big fat middle of the graph of people who buy those things are men. Are we would have thought? 
Yes, I think so. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to ask you what what was the makeup of the audience? Were there lots of men in the audience? Oh, it was almost all men. Uh, this is a male date movie, so this is the movie that you you go to the movies and you take your wife or girlfriend to it. Okay, this it's not really an a, a, I wouldn't call this a solo male movie. Like you know, there are some action movies where it's a solo. This is definitely a male date movie, and it was all almost all men and their appendages. Okay, right. So. Um, which isn't to say that that women don't like Bond, uh, but but most of them, it's made for men primarily. Mm. Well, I was going to say on that on that title sequence issue that and 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 we know that a lot of women enjoy looking at other women. You know, this, well, this is a fact. Katie's one of them, and she complained. She was like, because there was a problem with the women in the film as well, like. You know, uh, because they've banned this word. They've, there's one woman who's from the last movie. She's she, that, and me, Katie was like, Katie was like, how come they've made her look so mumsy? Yeah, <laughs> like she was mumsy, mumsy the whole time. Uh, there's the um, the new 007, who's that um, uh, the the black girl, and then there's the um, there was ten minutes with the, that girl of the minute Anna Diamas or whatever her name is from Knives Out and Knock Knock and whatnot. She's everywhere, that chick. Anyway, so they've made a big point of of this new 007 being an ass kicker and th- this chick being like, you know, um, the, the modern masculine woman, I guess. And then like, independent, all that. She's got it under control. But then they ruin it by having this 10 minutes with the other chick who – does a full True Lies style action sequence in like a dress with a big split up the leg and a garter and everything where she is just a superhero, like just kills everyone, does the most ridiculous stuff, like, you know, sort of teams up with Bond for 10 minutes yeah, and then is gone from the movie. And it totally destroys all the work they do with the with this new 007 because you're like, well, isn't that sort of, you know, what you're trying to not do? Yeah. You know, I don't know. Like, so ultimately this movie didn't help women. This movie wasn't really a successful lecture because it's too interested in ultimately as a capitalist exercise. All it ended up being was a not very successful product for an audience that that that, that they now don't understand. Yeah. Because as I've said before, the problem is 100% that they've started the conversation with, you know how, oh, yeah, you know Bond, you know how... Um, uh, these people like Bond. Well, you know, um, let's get these other people to like Bond as well. Or they've gone like, you, you know how these people like Bond and they're all dummies and we hate them, but we want them to buy Heineken and Land Rovers and Omega Watches. And everyone goes, yeah, go on. And then they then they go, well, anyway, let's start chipping away at all the things that are essential to this to this franchise. Yeah, yeah. And what 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 made it popular and successful and bankable as well. Yeah, so it's just a really confusing. This happens again and again now, where because look, I don't care about um, you know this this stuff really. I mean, I just want stuff to be good, you know. And and I what I'm claiming is that I don't think you can have a split focus and it be good. I think that when it comes to art and creation, I think you need to be 100% in on a particular audience, demographic, market, whatever, and give everything to them. And you know, to to the to the exclusion of I know that's a word we don't use anymore. To the exclusion of everyone else. Mm. What that means is, I love dirty dancing. I'm an outlier because I'm a man who likes dirty dancing. So I accept that I'm in a smaller group. I'm not going to suggest that they remake Dirty Dancing, starring, uh, written by, conceived by, and only for men. That's not what I want. Okay, yep. like, and that's not going to be good. 
Yeah. And and in saying that, though, you're not advocating for uh, turning Bond into some sort of sex fest porn movie. It never was, though. No, you, you want it to be what, you know, to have the successful elements in it um, and to work within that sort of framework. Well, we, we talked about this. Like, he's, he, he, he's, is he even a hero, though? Mm. Like, the point, he's an anti-hero and it's a fantasy. And the whole point is that he's fucked in the head and that, um, you know, yes, he does uh, nail chicks or whatever, but it's usually for queen and country and it's to use them up and to move on. Move on. And there's always a femme fatale chick. Look, all I know is that Katie and I were both disappointed mm. about, about this, about um uh, the way this is all played out so i just think that it's way too self-conscious and um you know i think they again hollywood and the people who live there have overstated how much everyone else cares about all this shit mm, yeah. Do you know just make a great film and yeah you're right i don't want it to be i'm not i'm not, i don't want it to be <laughs> yeah some kind of like chauvinist exercise yeah but that's the thing what i'm suggesting is that gold and i and Skyfall and Casino Royale got it right. Yeah. That they got it right. Like, yes, we do want those moments where they say, oh, you're a dinosaur bond, you know, and he's got to deal with that. Or, or there's a new kind of, you know, uh, uh, um, sort of modern thing that he's got to deal with. That's great. Love all that. But it's when you change focus completely to, like Daniel Craig's a producer and because he's rich and because he's now, you know, entering that private jet, um, you know, cap like rich category mm. he now has to play that game where he's got to say oh no like you know i've really got to start like lashing myself and publicly talking about you know all the stuff you'd expect to hide to to cover the fact that i'm really rich mm. do you know what i mean now why why didn't you lead with the fact that 007 is now a female is she is she the new 007 like moving forward um well well she won't be but she is in the movie and um like, because because what what I mean not to give too much away, and I know nothing about the well, plot. Well, hit, hit the hit the thirty second button now if you don't want to hear some spoilers. <laughs> so Daniel Craig, he's in the film as James Bond. Yeah, yes, but he's re- sort of retired. Like they're, right. they're, they're clo- they're closing out his reign by by you know, they, and and they do do that. Like like it's an actually a complete story. So his whole set of movies is a complete story if you look at right. it. Right, and um, uh, but. Look, you know what they do. I think obviously, because they would, but they would. They've tried this before. They talked about doing a spin-off with Halle Berry's character in in fucking Die Another Day or whatever it was called, and the movie didn't do that well, and then it didn't happen. So yeah, it's like this is the same shit. Like if this movie was the Joker, mm-hmm. then you could bank on there being spin-off series, spin-off movie of yeah, the Spanish chick and that new 007 chick. But it's not going to happen because the movie wasn't successful because they blew it. Okay, it's as simple as you like. Um, so, uh, so you're hopeful. You're hopeful that it will return to will. to what it's supposed to be. Of course it will. Of course it will. Every like, the, the the backlash as our stories, you know, lately have all shown is that the backlash has started. People don't. And look, people vote with their feet. What what have people gone to see? The Joker. Okay, mm. that's what they went to see. That's what it's they good want. game. Squid Game. That's what that's what yeah. people want. Okay, mm. they want real good stuff, stuff that, and not stuff that is, yeah, as I say, chauvinist or male or whatever. That's not the point. No, we want truth. We want truth, and we want it to be good, and that's what uh, will prevail in the end. 
Mm, well, speaking of uh, voting with your feet, perhaps we should move on to briefly mention what the fuck's been happening in Melbourne in the last week or so. How is it in Alcatraz? It's, I think, it's it's a bit exciting. I'm 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 getting a bit jazzed up about it because we've seen some of the biggest protests uh, in Melbourne of uh, of the last week or so that that I think we've seen for decades in in this in this city. Completely downplayed by the media, by the way. Completely downplayed by the media, and this the, sort of the rest of our show, we're going to be talking a bit about the media and 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 sort of their role in these sorts of things. So, uh, so in Melbourne, for those who don't know, there's a new pandemic bill that's being introduced into Parliament that will give the Premier Daniel Andrews basically um, full powers to declare a pandemic at at any time, uh, regardless of any sort of health advice and. Um, there's a lot of concern in the community uh, across the board. Uh, we've had a lot of uh, we've had a lot of lawyers come out and sign like an open letter, and and you know a lot of a lot of people on the streets have been protesting, and from all walks of life as well, and from all political persuasions and ages and stuff like that. And so it, it's estimated sixty thousand plus have uh, have taken to Burke Street and Spring Street uh, out the front of Parliament here, and. Again, the media, you know, the ABC, they, they don't give numbers. They say, oh, thousands at the protest. Oh, there's been protests of thousands. And they always depict the protesters as extremists, as, you know, right-wing, uh, anti-vax. Well, they focused on that one lunatic who bought some gallows and-, and Yes, you know I mean? yeah. So someone did, did bring a gallows prop. And, you know, talk about, you know, this is for you, Daniel Andrews and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, there's always going to be nutters that come out to an event like this because, uh, because nutters live on the streets. That's the first thing. And, uh, you know, they're like a bit of a gathering, you know. Yeah. So there's always going to be some nutters there. Um, yeah, I've got, I've got a clip to play that that actually interviews a few a few people out on the streets. This is courtesy of Sky News, and uh, it just kind of gives you a sense of the average person being out on the streets. Today, what I've seen is the whole circuit of Victoria being the rich, the poor, the workers, bosses, school teachers, you name it, everybody's here across Victoria coming to tell this government they need to re wake up to themselves that we no longer wish to be dictated to. A beautiful thing to see, Melbourne finally waking up and rising in solidarity with each other regardless of your political leanings, regardless of your um, religious leanings, it's just a beautiful thing to be here with all these happy wonderful and free people and yeah we're not going to take it anymore well it means a lot i mean i think a lot more people compared to last week and the week before everyone's woken up everyone can see what's going on and i'm glad finally people are coming out of the their houses and, and marching with us we don't want the pandemic law to pass we don't want daniel andrews to get any more powers um we want lockdowns to end this isn't freedom um we believe in free choice no not co no coercion that's why we're here. Left our country to come to defend the country, and now we are in the same same issue here with all lockdowns and all of this stuff, like a communist country. We, I'm so upset all of the all of this stuff around us. Please kill the bill. This bill, yeah, it's not helping us. This is not freedom anymore, and we can see what's happening around us. We do not want to see this bill, the pandemic management bill, go through the house next week because it's very dangerous for every Victorian. So we plead with the government, all our upper house MPs, please vote against it. You were put there by the people, for the people. Kill the bill! 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 Kill the bill!
some breaking news from last night, I think, is one of the Labor um, a Labor politician called uh, Adam Somurek has actually come out and said that he'll vote against the bill. So if he does that, it means they don't have the numbers uh, in Parliament to pass the bill and right. it will, at, at, at a minimum, delay it. Uh, if all things go well and they can't get this thing passed before uh, the the end of the sitting period here in Parliament, we go into sort of the Christmas break. Then apparently, uh, because the the emergency orders, I think they expire on the fifteenth of December. I think if that's the case, and the, and the government can't pass anything, it means all restrictions are off. I hope that happens. There's oh, so do I. Yeah, it means absolutely. There's no restrictions at all anymore. So, and I think the government. That's why they're pushing so hard to get this this pandemic bill in, where they can just sort of decide when restrictions are without any sort of parliamentary oversight or any sort of committee or or, or any sort of um, body that they have to sort of appeal to. to- I get the feeling they've stopped uh, communicating with the public. Like they've stopped. They've completely stopped uh, selling this message like if this is such yep. an important thing why haven't they uh, succinct, succinctly and in, uh, informed the public i i don't know i just think it's such a tough sell they're just trying to rush it in you know and they do uh you know apart from this adam somurek guy who's going to vote against it like like if he didn't do that they'd have the numbers to to do it because they've got um they basically got their three independents that need to vote their way they've sort of got them on a leash and and they'll do basically uh the government's bidding here in in victoria so um i don't know i think i think it's just a, an arrogance as well that they can just sort of push this thing through i mean they they didn't even release any details about this bill it was very secretive until they actually tabled it to parliament you know usually a bill gets sort of shared around before it makes it to parliament so you know they were very secretive about that that they were actually formulating this this bill it's also interesting to to sort of compare it to new south wales which we've done on on many shows so uh, the New South Wales Premier has put off extending the state's emergency powers until next year, and Brad Hazard, the Chief uh, Health Officer uh, over there, is not very happy about that. Um, the Australian reported that uh, Mr Hazard took the proposal to a party room meeting uh, on Tuesday where multiple MPs challenged the ne- uh, necessity for the powers to be extended until March 2023. So... Um, and it looks as though uh, Dominic Perrottet is not is not going to extend those state of emergency powers. Uh, and he's going to let them let them lapse. So, and and that's important because there were people in Victoria saying, "Well, New South Wales are doing it. Like they're about to extend the emergency powers. Like you don't have a problem with that, do you? Because that's a Liberal government over there. So they can't make that make that argument anymore. Which is a really mature argument." I know, I know. It's silly. What about them? What about them? Yeah, about it's very them, silly. Man? They're doing it. But it is concerning that, that the media really paints these protesters as loons and anti-vaxxers and far-right extremists, and which is a which is a shame. It's very dishonest, and it's something we're going to be talking about today. This guy called Kyle Rittenhouse. I was uh, I was sort of aware of him, but uh, he sort of came to my attention a bit more this week. Uh, through a few podcasts and stuff that I've listened to, and yeah, so so I'm sure everyone in the US knows who this guy is. But for our uh, Australian audience, Kyle Rittenhouse, who's now 18, uh, was 17 when he shot dead two people and injured a third during unrest in Kenosha, Wisconsin, last August. Um, so in Kenosha, they were experiencing protests 
arson attacks and heaps of looting. Riots, you might say. Riots, yes, uh, you might say, which was sparked by the police shooting of Jacob Blake and Blake, uh, a black man, was shot seven times by white police uh, by a white police officer, leaving him partially paralysed. And of course, three months earlier, we saw the death of one Mr. George Floyd. Um, so Rittenhouse, he drove to Kenosha from Illinois, which is about a 30-minute drive. Uh, his social media accounts show an interest in policing guns and support for Trump. Uh, all red flags in uh, in the eyes of the liberal media. Rittenhouse claims he travelled to the city to protect buildings from being looted and provide first aid. Uh, he has many family members who live in Kenosha. Um, he offered to protect a used car business. So uh, it's estimated that the three nights of devastating riots caused $50 million worth of damage. Before I talk about the media coverage, let me just sort of run down his rap sheet. So Rittenhouse faces five charges here. First degree reckless homicide is the first one. Um, Joseph Rosenbaum chased Carl Rittenhouse uh, in a car park and threw a plastic bag at him. A reporter who witnessed uh, events claims Mr. Rosenbaum uh, tried to grab Mr. Rittenhouse's gun and this led to the defendant shooting him uh, in the head. Uh, the reckless aspect of this charge means prosecutors do not need to prove Carl Rittenhouse intended to kill Rosenbaum, uh, but he caused the death by acting without regard for human life. So that's the first charge. The second charge is first degree reckless endangering safety. So the journalist uh, Richard McGuinness, who witnessed Mr. Rosebaum being shot, claims he was in the line of fire. Uh, prosecutors say this means his safety was recklessly endangered. Then the third charge is first degree intentional homicide. So after killing Mr. Rosenbaum, Kyle Rittenhouse was chased down the street. He tripped over. One person screamed, that's the shooter. And the video appears to show the second victim, Anthony Huber, laughing at Mr. Rittenhouse and attempting to hit him with a skateboard. Uh, then there's, you know, the fourth one is attempted first degree intentional homicide. The fifth one, first degree reckless endangering safety. That's the rap sheet there. And the media, they've fashioned an almost entirely skewed narrative around Rittenhouse and his shootings. Um, the more the trials dug into the events of that night, uh, the more that we've seen just how cynical, partisan and outright deceptive the media coverage has been. Um, so basically the media have seen what they desperately wanted to see, which is a problematic white man. And it seems the case uh, is not supporting that narrative. Kyle Rittenhouse, the 17-year-old vigilante. Kyle Rittenhouse, the vigilante. Kyle Rittenhouse, the armed teenage vigilante. A 17-year-old vigilante, arguably a domestic terrorist, picked up a rifle, drove to a different state to shoot people. Kyle Rittenhouse, <laughs> a guy who's deeply racist, went with weapons to a Black Lives Matter protest, looking to get in trouble. He did. He murdered a couple of people. Rittenhouse. Uh, the 17 year old kid just running around shooting and killing protesters. You see the 17 year old who was radicalized by Trumpism took his AR-15 to Kenosha and became a killer. A white Trump supporting MAGA loving uh, Blue Lives Matter social media uh, uh, partisan 17 years old picks up a gun drives from one state to another with the intent to shoot people. A 17 year old boy mm -hmm who drove across state lines with an AR-15 and started uh, shooting people up, including a guy with a skateboard. The interesting thing about uh, law courts in the US, and I don't think it's, uh, does it happen in all cases that they're filmed? 
and broadcast because you can watch this live, can't you? I think there's different there's different rules in different states and different right. courts and yeah because it's not they're not all all filmed. No, no. Well, I guess the high profile ones discretionary though. Right. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It's just uh, because, you know, obviously we remember the OJ case as being... A circus. (laughs) An absolute circus, yeah. And and I think, I don't know, I just think the filming doesn't do it, doesn't doesn't help the situation really. Um, But in this case, maybe it does because the the facts really aren't aren't stacking up against the charges. So uh, I just want to run down what the media's left out of this story, okay? So possibly the most widely used phrase by the media is that he crossed state lines in order to rain hell upon people who were merely protesting in defense of black people. So the media never stated that Rittenhouse has many relatives in Kenosha. They want everyone to think that he's basically a state outsider, which which he's not. Uh, he does have connections to Kenosha. Um, all three of Rittenhouse's victims were white, something the media seems to never mention. Awkward. Um, which is awkward. There's no evidence has emerged suggesting Rittenhouse harbors white supremacist views either, although he's constantly called a white supremacist. The media also characterized the protest in Kenosha as mere assemblies designed to express sympathy for black lives, but were in fact riotous looting mobs. Uh, whose actions harmed black businesses and black lives. As we know, a lot of these riots um, are are impacting black communities just by the fact that they're destroying black property and black businesses, you know. And I think this tweet from Democratic Representative uh, Anya Presley sums up the media coverage nicely. She tweeted uh, back in August 2020, um, a 17-year-old white supremacist Domestic terrorist drove across state lines armed with the AR-15. He shot and killed two people uh, who had assembled to affirm the value, dignity, and worth of black lives. Wow. What a narrative. Irrefutable. And so quickly after, you know, after what, what went down, you know, I mean, it's not like she tweeted that, you know, a year or two later when we know all the facts, you know. I mean, she just jumped on that straight away, you know. Hot take. Uh, it's just amazing. And here are some more facts the media left out. So the day of the shooting, Kyle Rittenhouse started out by cleaning graffiti off a school. Then during the night, he was uh, defending the used car dealership. Um, When he was defending it, he was chased by a guy called Joseph Rosenbaum who reached for his gun. Uh, He's the first victim. Uh, Rittenhouse was then chased by a growing crowd that were yelling, get him. Uh, A guy tried to hit him with a skateboard. Uh, As I said, he was then shot. Um, Another guy pulled out a gun on Rittenhouse and he was shot and injured. So um, When he raised the gun. When he raised the gun, that's right. So some of the media are actually changing their position, you know, and here's a headline from a recent Young Turks article. Uh, Journalists grapple with misconceptions about Rittenhouse narrative as trial unfolds by Anna Kasparian. She's crazy. Is she? (laughs) (laughs) No, this is a good mea culpa. I think you should read this, but you should look at her on YouTube. She's crazy. Right. Okay. So at least some in the media are actually saying, well, you know, the, the the facts aren't really working out for us here, you know. But it just begs the question why, you know, why did many uh, in the media leave out or downplay the key facts in this story, you know? I mean, journalists have so little curiosity these days, um, you know, so little interest in uncovering the truth and you know, identitarianism has just warped contemporary journalism. You know, they see themselves as crusaders for wokeness and enforcers of correct thought. 
rather than pursuers of the truth. And they've 100% bought into this hyper-racial narrative of, of white privilege, you know, and black victimhood, the 1619 project. Uh, and they can't coolly analyze real world events anymore, you know, because some of the media, you know, the, the, the young Turks have come out and, you know, said, well, you know, maybe he's not a white supremacist, but some of the media have fucking doubled down, you know. So Kyle Rittenhouse, he took the stand a few days ago and during examination, he, you know, he, he broke down into tears and some have suggested that he's actually showing signs of PTSD. And uh, Vox has described Rittenhouse sobbing in court as a tried and true strategy for white men in trouble. Uh, he was appealing with his tears to certain white members of the American public. And uh, a writer for The Guardian said that uh, such public displays of white male emotionalism are really a political tool and that his weeping was not uh, for the tragic events, but rather was an expression of the uh, indignant entitlement of white men thwarted in the enforcement of his own privilege. That person is... That is a perfect example of someone writing like they just got out of college. <laughs> I know, exactly, exactly. That's a thesis. They're writing <laughs> their thesis and you I go, know. no, no, it's not a thesis. This is <laughs> news, you're writing the news. Well, that's what I was thinking today. Like back in the day, journalism was, um, it was more of an apprenticeship. You know, you, you went to a, 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 a paper or something and you were a young person and you were you were learning from other journalists and you sort of worked your way up. And Andrew Sullivan talks about that. He's got a lot of stories about starting in, in uh, Britain, uh, London, like, you know, I, I suspect Fleet Street or something. I don't know, like somewhere where it was all happening. Yes. Yeah. And starting in the mailrooms sort of stuff, you know. Yeah. And then working yeah. Your way up. Yeah. Well, I think you would get a, a broader range of. Uh, a, a divert to use a, a really uh, in in term a diversity oh, of yes. sorts, which is you know a diversity of uh, political persuasion. Oh, that perhaps count. you know a diversity of class as well. Perhaps no, you know. Fuck the, no, sorry, you're the old right. When we say diversity, <laughs> all you all I mean is a melanin or something. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Diversity on the outside, but conformity on the inside. That's right. That's you right. Know. Yeah. So you know, and I think we should return to uh, a position like that, where it's where journalism is, you know, taken away from these woke colleges a little bit, and and brought back to the street, you know, which is what you'd have a deep connection as as an, a sort of an apprentice journalist. You'd have much more of a deep connection to uh, your city or town, wherever you were reporting news for. Uh, you wouldn't come out of college sort of expecting to be the editor straight away of some, you know, of some news publication and 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 go out there, you know, fighting the fight and and you know the woke fight and trying to change people's people's opinions and and be on the right side of history, you know. Um, but I also think this is this is a clear case, really, of reverse racism in, in some of this coverage. You know, I mean, back in the day in the Deep South, people would characterise. Uh, accused black people as as scum and and maybe you know morally alien, but now we're doing the same thing to white people. You know this is kind of madness, don't you think? Yeah, well, of course, I think yeah, it's um you shouldn't have any prejudice when you're right when you're being a journalist. Like you sort of have to be apolitical, and you sh and you need to be you need to if you should be interested in the truth wherever that leads. Mm. But we know that that's that 
is not what happens because of the stakeholders. Do you know what I mean? So if you're writing for a legacy media operation, Russell Brand's talked a lot about this. Like, so if you're writing for a legacy media operation, you, you know, you've got advertisers, you've got, you know, who knows? There might be, there might be um, big pharma donors or whatever who are involved in your big media operation. But also these people don't seem to want to get down. Well, do they even pick up the phone? I don't know. But they certainly don't hit the streets and go and talk to people. Yeah. Like yeah. in the way that we under, used to understand journalists, like getting their little notepad out and going, like getting out of the office, going down to the corner or to the person's business or whatever and talking to the people and like witnessing things yourself, obviously, but gathering information on the ground, not just, see, we're not journalists. We're, we're, we're just sort of pundits. But the thing is, these the people who are writing all these articles and they're doing the same fucking thing, but they're calling themselves journalists. They're just sitting in their home reading another article, secondary article, maybe reading the dot points from Associated Press, which is a compromised outfit by the sounds of it anyway. Mm. And then you're sort of punching out this, yeah, this 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 thesis crap. Like what a useless thing that person wrote before. Yeah. Like yeah, why yeah, do you yeah. when you actually go and talk to try and interview people and get down on the streets and like get to the truth and so, and and look in the mirror and say, you know what, I'm going to follow the truth wherever it leads me, yeah. and that might end up, you know, not going to places that I want to go, but I have to because that is what it is. Yeah. We need to get back to that. Mm. So uh, I believe Rittenhouse uh, is just awaiting the jury's deliberation, which will happen just sort of any any hour now. But why do these fucking court cases? Like, it's just a court case. Mm. Like, it's not a referendum on any particular issue. Yeah. It's not a referendum on white people or black people or Trump or Biden or guns or... It's not. It's one person in a specific situation being tried for specific crimes, you know, by and being judged by a jury of their peers. Yeah. Like, I don't understand why. And so this crap about the judge getting, like, uh, death threats and, you know, the usual thing in America now, which is, um, you know, the jurors are scared to, you know, seemingly scared to... to, to, um, Convict, yeah. Or to acquit, to acquit, yeah. Or to (laughs) To do do their job, of course. To do their job because they're worried about a fallout, you know. Now... There's obviously a, le- a legislative problem there. Like I'm no, I'm no expert in these matters. I don't know anything really, but I don't understand. We need to make it the case that if you th- threaten or even imply to threaten a juror or a judge, that you need to go down. You need to go yeah. down real hard. Mm. Like because, and I don't understand why. You know, because they're talking about you know maybe calling in the national guard and stuff. That's appalling. That that's what they have to do. Yeah, yeah. What kind of democracy are are, are we witnessing where um, a court case? If you've got a problem with a court case, um, then you need to have another court case, mm. or then you need to write to your uh, you know your uh, leader. You know what I mean? Like in your area, because. This whole thing of like, oh, when a court case doesn't go the the right way, whichever way we think it should go, whatever, we're going to burn the place down. Yeah, that is absolutely un- disgusting. Yeah, that's disgusting behavior. You know what I mean? And I don't know. Twenty twenty, um, there was so much talk last year of, um, you know, these are peaceful protests, and you know, like just let people have their moment and yeah is looting really looting <laughs> yeah and like oh they just tried to burn down a courthouse what's the big deal yeah and you say i'm sorry you know all of that is is um grotesque 
Yeah. And it's got to be put to a stop. Mm. So, well, you know, if you think about it, like if the, the governor of, of Kenosha would have had the balls to get the, get the National Guard out on the streets when Jacob, when the Jacob Blake riots were happening, then this kid, Carl Rittenhouse, he wouldn't have got his gun out and gone out there to play cops, cops and robbers in the first place. And we wouldn't be in this situation, you know, I mean, but, but, but the, the governments just seem to, yeah, want, 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 pro want to give protests, protesters their moment, you know, like almost like it's a healing moment or something that they go out and set shit on fire, you know, I mean, that's, that's not on. And governments need to, need to say, yes, you can protest, but, destroying property and and beating people up and chasing people and setting shit on fire that's not that's not acceptable and we're not going to stand for that shit you know and sure Carl Rittenhouse the guy's a fucking kid he was 17 when he went out there um sure he 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 sort of came to it with some good intentions trying to protect and and you know the thing with him cleaning up the, the graffiti from the school yeah that's all good he's just a dumb kid like he shouldn't he shouldn't have been there and you know it was a dumb idea to go there but but should he should he be going down for 30 years to life you know or something for for the situation that he was in you know um yeah it's fascinating Fascinating. Well, we look forward. I look forward to you know seeing how this plays out, and for sure, you know, for sure, it'll end up being something's going to happen. <laughs> for sure, yeah. If you enjoy what we do here on the New Flesh Podcast, there are a number of ways you can contribute to the success of the show. Consider supporting us financially by becoming a Patreon member and donating monthly or yearly. Alternatively, you can donate money through the Buy Me a Coffee platform. If you're strapped for cash at this point in time, there are a number of other ways to support the new flesh. You can give us a rating or review through Apple Podcasts. These help others to find our show and help spread the word. Or you can tell your friends about us. Don't underestimate the power of a podcast recommendation. And now, back to the show. Sheila, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Ricky. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Okay. I need the news. Oh, you're there. Oh, okay. <laughs> What's been happening? Yes, I'm here. What's been happening <laughs> in the world? <laughs> what did you think? It was just the Ricky show today? Yeah, I thought it was just Ricky does um, offensive chat today. <laughs> okay. But that's the other podcast. Okay, here we go. Outraged mum calls the police after watching rock group's front woman urinate on a fan's face in front of horrified <laughs> audience that included minors in Florida. <laughs> oh, look, you guys love that one. Her name, her name is Sophie Eurista and um, Urethra. <laughs> That's her stage name. Uh, and she is the front woman of the cover band. Oh, piss on your face. <laughs> <laughs> What's it called? The Brass Against. Well, um, I yeah. love that it's a cover band as well. It's so yeah. not so not rock and roll. Is it a cover band? <laughs> no, but like <laughs> they've 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 got it all backwards. You know, you don't need to be that rock and roll when you're a cover band. You you can just play, you know, horses and 
like some Brian Adams and whatever you need to do. You don't have to, you don't have to go now, fuck you. Hey, Pittsburgh, go fuck yourself. And like, and, and, <laughs> and, and say, you hey, look at this and piss on someone's face. <laughs> like, well, she was, she was singing Rage Against the Machine, um, you know, so maybe that inspired her. Um, I like the way James Gordon for the Daily Mail has done the little hotlines underneath. Um, a male fan was brought on stage and lay on the floor as Eurista squatted over him. She then emptied the contents of her bladder <laughs> all over the bald-headed man. Bald-headed? Mm. <laughs> Why are you going to take pops at his appearance? I know. So, it's very evocative, though. female audience member called 911 to complain, saying her 16-year-old witnessed Eurista's antics but she did not file a police report. It's great. Well, I don't know what the what the you know what the law is there. It, it could be lewd lewdness. Mm. <laughs> well, Jim Jim Morrison got arrested for doing a lot less. I know that was in 1968, but what I was going to say wasn't he wanking? Uh, maybe it was well, simulated. How is maybe. that less? No, well, I I think the. He was suggesting it. It wasn't. I don't yeah, think it right. was. Yeah, that's right. Whereas this was a woman pulling aside her, her knickers, mm. standing up. Well, doing this so, thing. you know, I guess in this world, modern world of biohazards, I suppose, yeah, could be worse. Well, if she if she only opened a if she opened an OnlyFans account, she'd be killing it. Well, <laughs> I think it. it's really um, this has done a lot for their public uh, sort of. Um, Exposure, so mm. that's good. That's right. great. Maybe we need to piss on someone's face. <laughs> oh John. God! Yeah, okay. Um, uh, <laughs> Sheila, I don't know uh, who. Oh uh, <laughs> God! All right. Honestly. If you would like to be pissed on by either John or myself, uh, hit us up on the socials, or Katie. and we can organise something. Katie could piss on Katie? you. Katie, okay. <laughs> she could piss on me. Well, I was thinking about the person, but we could piss on you too. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you can get some some flashback or something. <laughs> okay. Anyway, moving on. All right, moving on. Knife wielding man threatens to kill staff at a takeaway shop when they tell him he can't have hot chips because the kitchen is closed. <laughs> Come on, I've mm, wanted to do that. I have too. Yes, that man. He's a hero. Let's open up a GoFundMe uh, yes. and buy him some chips. That, like, seriously. Well, and this has happened in Perth, Australia. Do you know, I was just about to say the reason I moved from that side of the country originally, but part of it was because uh, I went. You couldn't get hot chips. I couldn't get. I went, I went, we went to a, ba- a bar or something or a pub and they, the kitchen was shut at, like, um, 7.30 or something. I was, gonna, I was just going to troll and say 7.30. It, it was, though. And and I was I like, know. and this was in a tourist place, like, like you know, down in Frio. And I was just like, right, this place is, I'm done with this place. Well, when, when, when you moved from Perth to Melbourne, Perth still did not have Sunday trading. So, so shops were closed on Sunday. People around the world and people on the east coast of Australia, that blows their mind that you can't go to buy some sneakers or something on a Sunday because everything is closed. So random to buy a pair of sneakers on a Sunday. Um, well, it's what it's about the Lord's people? Day. You should be reflecting at home. Well, you should, yeah. And it just means that Perth is, you know, keeping itself nice in the eyes of the Lord and the rest of the world are heathens. So there. Um, good on you, Perth. Don't open the shops. Uh, <laughs> 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 Keep it all shut. 
and keep those borders closed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. Would you buy a political correctness police bot? Trigger warning device for classrooms and parties sounds alarm when it detects offensive language or jokes. Wow. Who's installed this? I want to know. Uh, Has anyone installed this? Uh, I don't know. It's called Themis. 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 But doesn't and, it feel like Themis is sort of already here? Uh, what do you well, need the bot for? Yeah, you don't. You just need a person under 25. Well, well, it's it feels like, yeah, that, that the bot is totally redundant. Like, like it's, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe all those green-haired and pink-haired, you know, 22-year-olds are just so burnt out. That, that they need a bit of a break and this bot <laughs> this bot will help them to, you know, they don't have the burden of having to educate everybody all the time. But when you time. think about it, when you think about it, it, and I'm sure this will come up at our next, uh, well, the, the next after the next mano a mano, but uh, don't you think Demolition Man has come true? Yes. That we are actually living in mm. Demolition Man? Like th this, this is... When see when I watched Demolition Man in the nineties, I was just like, "Oh, this is so silly," um, and then well, I loved it, but it was just seemed like a real fantasy. Now it is a documentary, like mm. seriously, like I mean. But in that movie, you were, you were fined. Was it fined, or you had yes. social credits taken away? No, you were fined. Right. So fining, I would almost prefer that if I could just like pay a bit of cash and then it was forgotten about. That would be fine, but. It seems like what we've got now is a step further where it's it's more of a social credits thing. So we we and no path to redemption. That's so right. it's not yeah. clear what the rules are. No, but 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 you instantly lose all of your social credits and yeah. then that's it, you're cast out, you know, no, you're, but the you're weird thrown thing out is, of the city. But the weird thing is, like if you if you're a part of a certain elite uh, class, like in America, like if you're Jeffrey Tubin, Tubin, you can literally uh, whack off in front of your your col colleagues on Zoom and then be inducted back into the fold, mm. literally like less than six months later. Yep, like that is staggering. That's that was staggering. amazing. I could not believe that. And did you ever see the footage when 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 he comes back and they actually interview him? Yes. About it's just so weird. I did. I, I saw that, but I'm. But and but to me, it. it just as we say, like, it's so confusing. I don't know what the rules are. So mm. I don't know what these fucking robots are going to do. Like, because that, that's the thing. If the robots, if Themis is, is corrupt as the, well, most of the work left, then it'll just turn a blind eye to certain people. Like, if, they're, if, they, if, it, if it likes them, like, it'll go, it'll just fine, fine you for watching a Ben Shapiro video. But then, you know, some wokester, you know, can just you know lie, cheat, and steal, and it'll yeah, just yeah. look the other or way. Or set fire to uh, to a, a court a... building. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, no, and a black-owned uh, donut right. shop. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Sheila, are you are you buying one of these robots for your kids for Christmas? No, because I it would just go off all the time. I'm, oh. I'm <laughs> you would be cancelled. I would be cancelled in my own home. Mm. Um, and I, you know, I try to keep it PC, but you know, you're only human. Yes. Well, that's Themis. Moving on. Moving on. Look, um, I'm just loving, this is the Australiana, uh, section today because this is another one about Australian, um, antics, bizarre moment, trio fight, hug, and flee cops while tackling a very unreliable ute door. 
before it all ends badly. So this is in Darwin and it's on camera, a group of three guys, and this is one of the hotlines, there are fight scenes, love scenes, comedy scenes and a police investigation. Uh, so these guys are trying to fix their ute. They start fighting each other, then they hug it out, and then they run, run away from the cops. Well, we apart from the cops thing, like you've all had, we've all had nights like that. Mm. You know, we we sort of gone like you know, it's 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 got everything: tears, laughter, you know, a ute, a ute. So <laughs> why, why were the cops involved? They were called because they were fighting. I would say, yeah, because they were calling, they were causing a fracas, mm. and um, then they, the guys, have thought they were under arrest. So you know, they've hugged it out and fled. Oh, ride or die. Yeah, yeah so it's good. It's, you know, it's good. It was like they're like Paul Walker and Vin Diesel at the end. You know, like <laughs> on the run. <laughs> All right, let's get away from the Australiana for a minute. You've got to be kidding me. Chinese goat farm is using facial recognition to spot animals that are related and stop them getting incestuous. What a great usage <laughs> for facial recognition. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one positive out of the many negatives of facial recognition being used in China. But is this really... <laughs> Is this what China's doing now? So it's like they're they're just their their empire is complete, and they just have their people under complete control. And they're like, "What do we do now?" Well, and they go, oh, "I don't know. No one ever says what you're meant to do when you've got like a a, a perfect working dictatorship. Well, I don't know. Fucking some goats that need some looking after. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna breed the purest goats. Let's check them out. And yeah. so it really feels like um, an exotic. Uh, usage. Era. Well, yeah, an exotic yeah. era of the dictatorship. It's like, <laughs> you know, you're telling the populace, and now we shall make the pure goats that we've always wanted. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, there shall be no fornication between, between goats of the same family. And everyone's yeah. looking at each other like when they're talking, going, fucking hell, like we've really got to move to Taiwan. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next up. Dolls that let children as young as six fix their face fail spark outrage as critics say they're offering a hideous message to youngsters. However, the brand has always denied that messaging is harmful, saying a failed makeover is not a failed person. Six-year-olds. So th this is a makeup thing if you don't have your makeup done very well. Or is it a plastic surgery thing? Yeah. Um, it's a doll that has bad makeup and you've got to fix her makeup. Oh, you fix her makeup, not your own makeup. No. Oh, no. I see. But you fix the doll to make her right. look pretty wrong and perfect I, I don't, and yeah. successful. Like, because you're not, you're not giving it plastic surgery, though. You're not, like, like, replacing the nose or, you know, lifting the cheekbones. You're Probably. not doing any of that. Yeah. Mm, still pretty bad. Why is it bad? Uh, well, because... I, I but women don't... wear makeup. They do. All, but... Most, I'm going to say it. I reckon all women wear makeup. Okay. Uh, maybe well... there's maybe a handful that don't. I feel like makeup is is one of these um these third rails. It's one of these things that, like you know, if you talk about it, people go shut up, and you go, I know, I know. It's like 
you know, we love it. We're okay with it. Makeup's good. Like you love it. We love it. I don't get it. And everyone's like, I think I feel like people are hot about it, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, because I don't like wearing it, but I I wear it so I don't have to keep dealing with people saying, oh, mate, are you okay? You look really unwell. I'm fucking fine. I'm just not. Are the majority of those people women, though? It's everyone. It's especially men. I've seen you. Yes. I've I've seen you. And it's not like the Phantom of the Opera. (laughs) What? So. my own mum, before we'd go out, sometimes would say, oh, God, I think you should put some lippy on. And, I, <laughs> <laughs> and she was not a woman who endorsed makeup, you know, at all. But um, so, yeah, I, I guess it's just one of those things that is just so ingrained. But I don't really think it's good for little girls to know about makeup. I don't let my, sure. my daughter see me put any makeup on. Um, I never talk about makeup. I, I have it hidden. Yeah. Because I just don't think they need that that mm. shit in their lives. So I, I get that. No, no, I, I'm I'm sensitive to that. Is this one of the a case where uh, I know some parents go, well, I, I need to give my kids all these devices early on so that they're not left behind. So when they're teenagers, that they're tech savvy and they're not the 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 dunce in the class that can't work, can't work the iPad or can't work the computer. Is a similar thing where you know so that when your six year old girl becomes 16 they they're all across the makeup and they can do it and it looks good (laughs) you know like they're not left behind it might be look it it could be because i must say i've had to help my sister with her makeup for many many years and maybe and i wish that uh she's a little sister i wish that maybe she'd spent a bit more time sort of perfecting the art so i didn't have to help her out uh, for special occasions so she could have used this doll then (laughs) Well, this is not new. I remember I remember a doll that came out when I was a kid and it was just like from the shoulders up. It was just Yeah, like it was a Barbie, a giant and, Barbie hair. Yeah, and yeah. you and you basically you did the hair and you did the makeup and stuff, and it was called My Model, and I still remember the shitty jingle and I still sing it today. My my model, my 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 model, you can be creative with makeup. Yes, makeup. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, if that doesn't go at the end of the show, then I don't know what. It's got to go at the end of the show. That was fantastic. I still remember that. And I sing it to my wife. I'm like, don't you remember this ad? Like, this, we used to sing it in, I think it was in early high school. We used to run around the playground singing that fucking stupid thing because it was so stupid. I know oh. your wife wouldn't know it. When you were go- <laughs> yeah. when you guys were, I don't remember it because when you guys were at high school, I was uh, overseas living in my mid 20s. Or yeah, having a great time 20s, uh, while you guys were at school. Um, all right, last up, um, and I'm just doing this because it's of the moment, uh, but I do like where the Daily Mail is going with this. I like what you're inferring, Alyssa Guzman, from the Daily Mail. Britney Spears's fiance, Sam Ascari, 27, is seen leaving a bank in West Hollywood with a wad of cash and wearing a free Britney shirt an hour after her conservative conservatorship ended. Free Britney's money. <laughs> yeah. Into my pocket is what he's yep. thinking. Yep. That's great. This it would be good so... if he turns out to be the 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 new villain, you know? Yeah. What an appalling headline. Someone's had to stake him out for that and mm. said, oh, how's this? As soon as it ends, he's there with the cash. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know he was uh, a little bit younger than her. 
she's 39, he's 27. How exciting. I, I love the mm. idea of like, you know, because she'd be like, because her main song would have been when he was like 12. Yeah. Mm. That's cool. There yeah. you go. So that is me for the All week. All right. Thanks, Sheila. Thanks, guys. Well, some uh, excellent bawdy stories today. <laughs> <laughs> it's just what we needed, <laughs> what we needed. Uh, in this sea of, uh, I don't know, where are we? We're in the muck. We're in the mire. There we are in the muck and mire. So anyway, uh, Russiagate now, this is a big, so, but I, you know, I'm not going to tackle the whole thing because it's, it's too big because it's been going on for years. But essentially, in 2017, BuzzFeed posts a, an unverified dossier called the Steele dossier. Now, it's just filled with uh, reports that allege that Donald Trump, former president uh, Donald Trump, has deep ties to Russia. You know what I mean? So this dossier was compiled by a person who has claimed to be a former British intelligence official, um, and that is the Steele uh, of, the, of the title. And he alleges, Christopher Steele, he alleges that Russia has compromising information on Trump. Uh, the allegations are unverified and the report, oh, and this is this from BuzzFeed, the rep- and the report contains errors. <laughs> so this is what they printed on their fucking <laughs> website. A dossier compiled by a person played to be a former uh, British intelligence officer, uh, officer alleges Russia has compromising information on Trump. The allegations are unverified and the report contains errors. So they printed it anyway. Um, at the time, it was derided and celebrated by the media uh, as sort of unverified, useful slime. So uh, the dossier is a collection of memos prepared by this guy, this British by 2016 election. So this is from New York Times, a couple of quotes here, a couple of good ones, and some, they did some good reporting on this. The memos compiled by a research firm called Fuse, Fusion GPS allege a multifaceted conspiracy between the Trump campaign of 2016, that is, and the Russian government to help Mr. Trump defeat Mrs. Clinton. The memos are uh, also detailed unsubstantiated accounts of encounters between Mr. Trump and Russian prostitutes and real estate deals that were intended as bribes, among other claims about Mr. Trump's businesses. So um, one of the claims in there that became really famous was the PP tape. Mm, yeah, the PP tape. The, the tape that, you know. He I kind of want there to be a PP tape. I know. Everyone did. That's the problem. So <laughs> yeah. uh, a couple of quotes here. The firm, so this firm, um, uh, Fusion GPS is paid to do research by a variety of clients, including political donors, corporations, hedge, fund, hedge funds, and law firms during election years. Uh, the firm is mostly focused on political opposition research, digging up dirt on clients' opponents. So this is all very fascinating about what this 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 sort of uh, goes on behind the scenes here. Mm. Um, now, next up, this is the juicy part. So after Mr. Trump secured the nomination, Fusion GPS was hired on behalf of Miss Clinton's campaign and the DNC, the Democratic National Committee, by their law firm, uh, Perkins Coy, uh, to compile research about Mr. Trump, his businesses and associates, including possible connections with Russia. It was at that point that Fusion GPS hired Mr. Steele, who has, uh, who has a deep sourcing in Russia to gather information. So now this didn't and this is where it gets a little confusing because it didn't end up playing much of a role in what that if, if what became known as the mule the Mueller report so this Mueller report was a sort of a separate investigation into collusion with Russia it's all about trying to link Trump with Russia and saying that you know they've got uh, blackmail info on him and that they he's a puppet for Russia okay that was the whole narrative and they tried a few attempts the Mueller report um, came at it from a different angle, but th- but that would that wouldn't have arisen a without this Steele dossier. True, and but this did 
the, the Steel Dossier kicked off the whole thing and it really did consume the media for years, consumed every dinner table, I'm sure, for a long time. It was even included in The Good Fight, that drama. Uh, they, they did references to the PP tape and whatever. They were obsessed with Trump last year. So I stopped watching. The Steel Dossier, we were told for four years, was based on this very well-connected British intelligence agent, this British spy who had very uh, reliable sources deep in Russian intelligence. And as it turns out, he lied about that. His actual sources were basically operatives in the world of Hillary Clinton who were passing along gossip and using all kinds of speculation. So this entire narrative that got constructed on the back of the Steele dossier is now being exposed as a gigantic sham. This elaborate conspiracy theory was pushed pushed fervently by a lot of people, including Rachel and most famously by Rachel Maddow at MSNBC, who is unrepentant to this day. I watched a report of her just the other day, uh, and she is just as unhinged as ever. Uh, It was also used by the FBI to warrant spying on the Trump campaign. Uh, So they used this dossier, which was now bunk, which which we know was bunkum, to um, to as a way to get. authorization from a from a court of what's called a Pfizer court or whatever to to spy on the Trump campaign. So so now that we know that it's bunkum, that means that spying was um not really lawful. Mm. But would wouldn't the FBI look at this steel dossier and go, well, there's no evidence. So we're not gonna do these fucking wiretaps, you know? Well it's a mess because, you know, obviously the FBI and Trump had a bad rep- bad um relationship, you know, um, but uh, you know, at the time, the FBI was controlled by um, uh, Obama, so I don't know. It, you know, who's to say? It's it's one of those things that there was a lot of people who dropped the ball, but basically, the desperation to get rid of President Trump, and this is from Glenn Greenwald, to see him as an existential threat, caused many in the media to adopt an at all cost attitude. I think it's best uh, summed up by that creepy tagline under the masthead of the Washington Post, democracy dies in darkness. I think to me that is uh, sums up this sort of um, one-eyed fervor about getting rid of Trump. And now uh, it sort of looks a bit out of place. So there was a lack of rigor in the reporting that fueled what we now know was an elaborate fantasy and in part funded with money uh, from the Clinton campaign. And now Hillary was very disappointed that this in, that this dossier didn't come out sooner. So that was her big complaint. Not so much that she funded it and that um, you know it was full of bunk, but it was that it didn't come out sooner, uh, uh, you know, before the election. Yeah. There was just no evidence being presented for so long. First, for the claim that it was Russia that did it, but then much more so for the claim, the broader claim that the Trump organization or the Trump campaign participated in things like the hacking of the DNC and Podesta emails. They were just the kinds of leaks from the CIA, from the FBI, from the NSA that come anonymously that anyone with any foundational journalistic ethos should instantly regard as suspicious absent evidence being presented and for a very long time that was all we were getting were anonymous leaks that were evidence-free coming from the security state and how much did i, I know the, the you know the clintons funded it but but would she have known directly about it you know because obviously she's got minions underneath her that would be working behind sure. the scenes and well look this kind of opposition research is pretty standard stuff you know on both sides i think and um you know that you can they can track uh the payments to like they they there was a big figure and then there was um yeah there is a direct link to to that campaign and this dossier 
you know what I mean? But yeah, as for, you know, the detail of like, you know, what, what did she know? When did she know it? I don't know. I don't know. So, say, so there aren't renewed calls for her to be locked up? No, no, it's not that sort of thing. But it, but it, it's 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 definitely it's not a good look, and um and it sort of reveals the political process uh, in all its glory. But this week, the real juice is that this week, this uh, special counsel John H. Durham, he handed out several several indictments due to figures involved in the creation of this dossier. Um, so this week, Igor Danchenko, an analyst who was a key contributor to this dossier, he's been indicted for lying to the FBI about his sources for his claims in the dossier. Um, there's a couple of other people, a Clinton lawyer uh, and another person, they've also been indicted for, for uh, lying to the FBI and, and a range of things. Uh, other parts to this story, so even Russell, Russell Brand has been labelled a right-wing nut for even engaging <laughs> with this story. Right. You know, he did this wonderful video on it, a really, really good. Yeah, um, yeah. Video. I saw that this morning, actually. Yeah, great. What do you think of it? It's good. Yeah. I, I have to say I'm a bit out of touch here. Like what the fuck happened to Russell Brand? Like I always thought he was just like this larrikin uh, stand-up guy slash actor. And now he's like this this guru for uh, freedom and, you know, centrist thought. He's been headed that way for a long time. And I'm, I'm fascinated that you, you've you seen him in all his glory now because I've sort of, I've, I've watched him transform. Right. Like, you know, at the end of his Holy Holy career, he was starting to do his little show called the what is it? Um, the the Trues on on YouTube. And then he actually went back and did some stu- more study and things like that. And, right. and obviously um he's done a real massive transformation. He's he's definitely a, a like a political pundit now. Uh, but but certainly someone who doesn't he he is circumspect of he's probably where if you you know, a, a lot of people probably should be heading. Like you need. He's very circumspect of both political parties, particularly in America, that they sort of are the same thing to a certain degree, you know. And um, he just said, and, and that's the thing, because because he believes in discussion and robust uh, argument and whatnot, and engaging with whoever. Uh, then he thought he could just say some facts, and that would be okay, but um, and say what he knew to be true. But instead, he was totally slammed by the rap uh, and, and a range of other places. And that is because this, these, these types of cultural issues have become, you know, they've totally broken people's brains. And those people who slammed him should be ashamed of themselves. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, again, this is following on from that Rittenhouse story. The shame of this whole affair is that so many people have uh, abandoned their integrity and their principles for fantasy. Mm. And and for what, you know, for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, mm. I mean, was it worth it? Do you know what I mean? Like, so, twenty twenty, I think would be a we should look back on that as the year that people's brains broke. And you know, I mean, what could all those man hours and resources put into this RussiaGate nonsense been used for? Yeah, think of the money, the time, the resources, and the, and the relationships it destroyed. Think of all the things we could have done. Maybe we could have won some of those lost souls from QAnon over before they went too far. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Maybe we could we could have reached out and, and and you know and 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 at the end of the day, Trump was not a Russian agent. Okay, he's exactly what he always has been—a businessman turned celebrity with a big mouth, uh, and definitely dodge, um, you know some probably dodgy um, uh, deals all around all around the world. Not but not uh, extraordinarily weird 
deals. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think the deals were dodgy, but as dodgy as anything as Clinton's done. Like if you look into the Clinton Foundation and look into the, their businesses, I mean, fucking hell, it's the same sort of shit. Um, his is a little bit more flashy. So people wanted this to be all the president's men. They wanted it to be the Manchurian candidate, but it wasn't. This was nothing like that. And they threw out their integrity, principles, rationality, and behaved poorly. And this is, um, you know, uh, to the, it was to the detriment of us all, you know, and, I, and that's the real shame of, of, of what went on last year and, and what continues to go on is that um, I think that it's such a shame that I say my side, our side, the left, the center left, whatever, uh, really did just throw it all away. You know, throw away the principles, and it's really made me uh, dark on 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 all of it because you just go, wow, like, um, like what what does journalism mean if if you have no integrity? What is what does journalism mean if if you comp- if you if you won't print the truth? Like if you won't print the the Hunter Biden laptop um, story? What what does what does it mean? You know, like so, uh, it's just been. Uh, um, and the thing is, you know, you can not like Donald Trump. You can actually, you could probably could have got him on a bunch of other stuff, like legitimate stuff, but they wasted their time with this with this elaborate fantasy, mm. you know. And yeah, you're um, more likely to get him on something something to do with tax, you know. Probably, yeah, probably. Um, but mm. it's just like it just was became such a ludicrous thing, and like, uh, and but you really worry about people like like that Rachel Maddow. I think she she I think she might be a lunatic. Mm. And she's not the only one. Like like I think that like like I feel like she comes across as absolutely unhinged. Like unhinged from start to finish. Like the sort of person that you're like would you like to have a dinner with her and I'm like I don't know man. Like she seems crazy. Yeah. You know? So it's one of those things where um I think maybe people and they and and none of this helps the working class. None of this helps uh, the people who need help. Mm. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think there are any winners out of this sort of media coverage? Like, do you think this sort of shit that's going on CNN, uh, particularly on the left, but also you know, I mean, the right, Fox News and stuff, they have their biases too. But that that the winners are people like um, Russell Brand who are doing their own shows and doing their own political commentary, and that the the legacy media really will sort of croak it at some stage because everyone's just moved moved on to to YouTube to follow people like like Russell. Well look at the the downloads on that video that I mentioned of his millions, mm. millions and millions of downloads. That's yeah. way more than the audiences of these news outlets. Do you know what I mean? Like there's no there's no comparison. Look at Joe Rogan. Yeah. You know, hundreds of millions of downloads. Do do you think that plays a part a little bit in the way that the outlets like CNN then cover the news because they have to be so sensationalist because they need, you know, they have to be salacious so that people tune in, you know. Absolutely. It's the whole deal. Like, you know, they, um, the more cover you can give your reporters like the old days, then the better the reporting could be, you know, and you've got to, but at the moment, like every, every story is clickbait. Mm. You know what I mean, I've complained about this, even the ABC, the government run, uh, outlet in australia is clickbait just filled with clickbait and filled with opinion pieces and stuff and you just go what the fuck is this give me the news yeah give me the fucking news so yeah they've all had to just debase themselves completely it really is just editorial it's just creating you know little echo chambers playing to echo chambers and um 
and it's totally not going to work because people, again, people voted with their feet. They went, they go, oh, I like Russell Brand. I like, I like what he has to say because he speaks without without fear or favor about certain things. Do you know what I mean? Like he might not always be right, but he's but he's but he's got courage and he's willing to say the things you're not. Whereas you can see it at at some of these media outlets. You can see it playing out. Like think about it. Is it at CNN where? you know Cuomo's brother fucking works there <laughs> yeah yeah I mean and that that's pretty awkward they think. yeah yeah like so it's really that's that's I think that um the whole setup is just is very strange but that whole model of paying like like Maddow despite her lunacy is was on the verge of signing a, a you know tens of millions of 20 30 million dollar deal renew to renew and then she didn't I don't think so I mean What's your brain like on $30 million? Do you know what I mean? Like, and what's your brain like on $30 million plus white guilt, plus, you know, um, guilt of uh, being now part of the Silicon Valley, Palo Alto, you know, class where you're like, oh no, like I actually don't know how much milk costs anymore. Like I actually don't know how, you know, I, I don't know anything about normal life. Yeah. Um, I don't know anything about normal people, and in fact, the more the more I get along, like the, I, I see less and less people of color. You know, I just <laughs> yeah. I just live in my Central Park apartment and go to uh, the French Laundry or something in LA, you know, to have dinner, and it's all white people and the help. They're all the they're all the people of color. That's right. Yeah. You know, so what have you end up? What have you got to do? You've got to get on TV. You've got to rail the hardest. You've got to you've got to say. I'm the, oh, I don't that's the that's the masquerade. I can't believe we haven't talked about this more like uh, how come people don't talk about, you know, these multimillionaires lecturing everyone? Mm. Like why yeah. doesn't that come up more? Like I don't understand. Like you know, like why do we have to put up with Mark Ruffalo saying capitalism's the worst thing that ever happened but he get he's got a net worth of 30 million dollars. <laughs> yeah. Like that's right. I don't I don't yeah. get it. Like why don't we say you're an embarrassment like this like you don't care about it. give it all away then yeah Rachel yeah. Maddow you've got a lot of money you could probably solve a lot more problems than you do with mm. your money like actually if you believe everything you say anyway this is a this story is a big mess and I hope that moving forward that everyone who um uh unlike the other side I believe in redemption I think you know we should get these mere culpas and some of them are happening like the Washington Post have come out with a they have retracted a couple of stories and actually, you know, fallen on their sword a bit, which is which is great. There's nothing we should welcome that and say, yeah, good, moving on, you know. And it should inspire better practice. It's not about revenge. It's about, you know, but but you do need to admit that you blew it and that you wasted everyone's time and that. And if you knew that it was bullshit at the beginning, like many people did, then you know you do need to reckon with that. You can't just get away with it and move on to the next thing. Yeah, well, there, there needs to be consequences for that sort of activity. Like if you if you knew that it was it was bumpkin, that it was fake, and you went ahead with it anyway, like there should be some sort of consequences. Surely, at least someone needs to get fired. You know. <laughs> well, yeah, no, you you can only get fired at the New York Times for saying words in Chinese that sound like the N word <laughs> yeah. or something. That's how. That's what happens. Yeah, like, yeah. People go, "What did you say?" And you go, oh, "I was just, <laughs> just ordering lunch." Yeah. And they go, "Right, you're out of here. You're out of here, Buster." And you go, "But I've been here for fifty years." And they go, "Yeah, well, made <laughs> your last day." Mm. Did you want to talk about uh, cosplay? 
Yes. So we'll finish off today by uh, just covering this great article. It's only short. I'm going to read it out. Being LGBT has become cosplay for millennials. This uh, is on Unheard and it's by Gareth Roberts. So nearly a third of American millennials identify as LGBT, according to a recent study by the Arizona Christian University. While it's worth, in- worth taking these findings with a pillar of salt, they don't seem enormously surprising. With an astonishing 39% of the younger cohort of 18 to 24 signing up to an increasingly bizarre rainbow flag, what does this actually mean? I'm reminded of my first experience of a Rocky Horror Night at a student union in the late 80s with a variety of very ordinary middle-class youngsters adorning themselves in fishnets and cosmetics applied uh, a fishnet and cosmetics applied paint roller style, a dismal sanctioned attempt at transgression, like a medieval carnival with everybody safely back tilling the fields the day after. Queer is merely an extension of such tourism. It's no surprise that the United States is the great leader in all things LGBTQ. This was, after all, the nation that codified pop music that was only very slightly different to the mainstream as alternative rock and turned it into a billion-dollar industry. The genius of corporate capitalism, expert at selling the slightly outrageous, has merely applied glittery varnish to the nails of, the, of its invisible hand. <laughs> it's also deeply, tragically pathetic. You, can, you can't identify out of your whiteness, even to consider adopting the customs or the appearance of other racial groups is haram. But roll up, roll up, come one and all for the LGBTQ, LGBT for queer and for, high, for instant high status as a cool victim. This is the culture, such as it is, that can, that anyone can appropriate. No questions asked, a permanent celebration with colourful flags and regular feast days. It is, of course, highly ironic that at the same time these jamborees and fallals actually morally neutral day in, day out, boring homosexuality is very much on the cultural back burner. That's so true. In the Western world, it's now heavily frowned upon for les- lesbians to even associate on the basis of same-sex attraction either socially or politically, without including kinky straight men. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Uh, I wasn't ready for that. Who it transpired, who has it transpired, perhaps surprisingly are the most oppressed lesbians of all. So true. Objecting to this is is apparently not just party pooping, but according to Stonewall's Nancy Kelly, among others, next door to Nazism. When the dull basic rights of, of homosexual people are concerned, uh, allies and queers are either nowhere to be seen or tutting like that horrified maiden aunts of yore. So the findings of this survey may, uh, maybe don't seem so outlandish. The culture that was gener- generated back in the day by lesbians and gay men living with the unfeigned, not fun threat of exposure, plus the risk of blackmail and social opprobrium, is now a fun youth cosplay craze, as conventional, if not more conventional, than, than were mods, rockers and goths. I say they're welcome to it. Fill your LGBT boots, millennials, with your naff posing. You're, you're making the actual homosexuality you can never understand authentically, transgressively cool again. How good's that? It's so good. It's summed up everything I've thought about this issue for a long time now. You know, I always thought that coming out as transgender to your parents and everything as a teen was akin to, you know, coming home with a with a nose ring or a tattoo or, you know, black hair and goth makeup. You know, it's just it's just another fashion thing to stick it to your parents. You know, absolutely. Yeah, I just I you know I, I yeah I love how he's mentioned the whole uh, gay and lesbian thing as well. Which you know it's you basically a neo Nazi now if you don't if you're a lesbian and you don't want a juicy D. You know if you don't want to put a juicy D inside of you. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No. It, it is exotic, and um, I don't know when. Like we, yeah, the the whole movement is is so strange. Like 
it it is like a, a weird uh you know sort of glitter bomb party. Yeah. And I don't understand when they're gonna get on with it. Like it it seems like at what point do we as I've said, it's an unserious movement um because of it, because of these this ludicrous flag, because of how many members it's got, it's sort of weird and wonderful um mission. Uh, but at the end of the day, like, you know, I, I always say the same thing. Like, once we get the pronouns out of the way and whatever, what happens next? Yeah. Like, no, they never talk about what happens next. They never talk about, like, getting on with it, getting to work, you know, living your life, doing what you want to do. It's always this this constant obsession with these um, these these weird categories. Yeah. You know? Mm. It's weird. Yeah. So... And also this, you know, a third of American millennials identify as LGBT. You know, Ridiculous. it's like uh, it's, it's peer pressure or it's, or it's FOMO, the fear of missing out. You know, I mean, everybody's jumping on board. You know, it's like it's like back in the day if, you know, there's some craze at school, you know, whether it be yo-yos or marbles or some shit and, and you don't have that craze toy that came out that season you know you've got to jump on board you pester your parents to get it you know it's similar to that because really if you if you look at it from a scientific point of view if we're talking about you know homosexuality and stuff like there are pretty consistent stats to say that it's like around five percent of the population right that 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 present as as um gay or lesbian you know whereas this is just like it's a fucking free-for-all and you can you can be whatever you want to be and and you know i love how in the article he says that you can't change your race but you you know you can be any sort of gender you want you know if you if you're a man you want to be a woman that's okay you know if you're a woman you want to be a man that's fine if you're a woman with a husband and you have sex with him and you've even had a, had sex with him and had a baby with him and there's no other people around like man or woman and that's all you're doing i'm not quite sure what what it means when you call yourself queer in that situation. <laughs> well, I know in that situation it has a lot to do with getting arts grants and council funding, you know, definitely, so you can be definitely. part of this, you know, marginalised um, marginalized group that, you know, there's set aside extra funding for those special people, you know. Well, it's, yeah, to me it just, it, it's so, it's so embarrassing, like, you know, like because you're, Aren't you sort of debasing the whole thing because you're a bit of a liar? Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, aren't you a bit of a liar? Like, you don't like minge. Okay? <laughs> That's right. You don't. And you like your husband's boring old dick is what you like. Okay? <laughs> and, like, what's wrong with just being a lesbian as well? Like, when did, yeah, become, yeah. When did being a lesbian or, you just, or just a gay guy become such a crime? Mm-hmm. Like I don't understand that. Like lesbians, this is this is the real misogyny out there. Yeah, you know? but they just they can't stand um, lesbians in this community, mm. and and they mu- they must hate them the most because they get the first letter. Yeah, L G B T. Yeah, you know, and they're like, oh, we'll see about that. Mm. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's that's another thing that uh, Abigail Schreier has written about. Uh, in her book, um, Irreversible, Irreversible Damage, which is sort of looking at this uh, transgender craze that's happening particularly in, in America amongst uh, young teen girls, is that a lot of them are just lesbian. And there's this, uh, there's this view that being lesbian is really uncool, you know, and that um, 
there's something wrong with you if you're a lesbian and that that perhaps you could be a man then you know i mean maybe maybe i'm just a man trapped in a woman's body you know so maybe maybe you just like minge <laughs> maybe you just like minge and that's okay and that's okay, okay to like we minge. need to make being lesbian cool again yeah yeah that, that what maybe that's something we can do tangible mm. like make lesbians cool again make lesbians great again yeah you know like what's wrong with just being a bit of a lesbian you know, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. But now it's been criminalized. It's just like, well, are you sure you don't want to, you know, cut off your bosoms and take puberty blockers? And it's like, well, do we have to jump straight to that? Is that <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm glad we could squeeze that in because, um, you know, the, the new flesh wouldn't be the new flesh without some LGBT. Um, some transplanting. Some transplanting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yes. It is transplaining. So mm. that's that's that is our lot in life, unfortunately. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, that's the show for today. Uh, we are rolling on the uh, Joe Esterhouse uh, Film Festival. With uh, next week, we're going to be uh, watching Showgirls, which is heaps of fun. And uh, who knows what we'll talk about next Friday? Um, yeah. Well, I'm sure Rittenhouse will be wrapped up by then. And, uh, mm. We'll have a Rittenhouse update for everybody, I'm sure, when he gets, you know, 60 years in prison. (laughs) All right, well, we said what we said. Long live the new flesh. Long live the new flesh. My model, my, my, my model, you can be creative with makeup. Yes, makeup.